0: Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of
1: inspiration. Welcome to Powering Through Life on the Deepest That Care Network. I'm your host, Teresa Sims, and I'm a transformational life coach, an award-winning author, and a multiple number one best-selling co-author. Each week on Powering Through Life, my guests and I will discuss a special topic that is close to their heart. Together, we will explore the challenges they have faced in life and learn what strategies and tools they have used to power through their lives. So welcome to Powering Through Life. Hey, and welcome again today to Powering Through Life. And I have a wonderful guest here today with me by the name of Jennifer Saggy. Correct, Jennifer?
0: Yes, that is correct. Thank
1: you. Good. Jennifer has worked with children, adolescents and parents in the juvenile justice system, psychiatric unit and outpatient mental health treatment facilities. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, She has identified many mental health disorders can be avoided through parents understanding and meeting the developmental needs of their children while teaching emotional regulation, coping skills to children. Ooh, this yeah. is going to be good.
0: Yes, I have <laughs> 17 years of experience in oh, this
1: field. Wow, well, Jennifer! And,
0: like you mentioned, all different kinds of environments, and it's been so helpful, especially to my practice that I've created actually over 12 years ago.
1: Wow, that's fantastic! Well, welcome to Powering Through Life. This Thank is. You
0: so happy to be here
1: yeah it's a great day to be doing this isn't it
0: <laughs> absolutely yeah.
1: so your topic today is making a beautiful picture out of life's puzzle pieces
0: yes wow. Yes. so you know i can recall back to when i started you know when i graduated from undergrad and of course when we start off very young in life and actually found out it's still technically adolescence until you're 25 years old but we have all these great ideas and how perfect life is going to go for us. And, you know, we have a starting line and here's where we'd like to finish. And at that point in life, we have no clue that there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. And sometimes we don't understand how those ups and downs um, fit into the picture. Um, But I think, um, especially in the work that I do, I see that a lot of times crisis really propel us into what our meaning in life um, and how we can help others, you know it 's really hard to help others if we haven 't been through those hardships either
1: very yeah. true and it, it sometimes you find that it takes that one really dramatic uh, catastrophic thing mm-hmm. to propel the person to change and say, "Hey, wait a minute i 'm going to go this way instead mhm
0: yeah, absolutely so I've, you know the first puzzle piece that I really questioned on how it fit into my life I was um about 21 years old at the time, and I was trying to figure out, you know, where I was going to go to graduate school because I did wanna become a psychologist and help people with their mental health issues. And I actually, I received the acceptance to the grad school that I wanted to go to on the same day that I found out I was pregnant. Um, And so at that point, it was very much of, how am I going to get through grad school with a little child in tow? But at the same time, I did not want to have any regrets. And I definitely did not want to have any kind of negative feelings towards my child because it wasn't his fault. Um, You know, it was definitely, consequences that I, you know, needed to figure out how I was going to deal with. So I did know that if I threw myself into graduate school, I would find a way out on the other side of, you know, and graduate. Um, And I also thought, you know, he's really young, you know, by the time I, you know, had him, um, you know, some of the accommodations I could make for him, and he probably wouldn't even remember, and in fact he doesn't remember, um, you know, what the experience was like. Um, so I, you know, accepted it the um, the acceptance letter and I went to graduate school um, and it was really quite interesting because I didn't even tell anybody I was pregnant and my colleagues you know would question um, you know each other apparently theres talk but I was able to hide my pregnancy for about seven and a half months um, I actually moved away from I moved 350 miles away from friends or family so I didn't know anybody where I was going and sometimes when you think later on in life like how did you ever make that decision that didn't logical whatsoever Um, and I definitely have those thoughts of like what what was I thinking but I definitely actually turned out very well Um, and I I had my son in January so when we came back from the first break after the first semester they could definitely tell I was pregnant by then Um, and my advisor um, after I actually had my son a couple weeks later he wrote me a letter or an email and said let me know if you have any, if you need any help on the upcoming birth of your child. And I said, oh, I'm fine. I already had him. Thanks. <laughs> so I was just very determined, you know, to, to make it through. Um, but some of the accommodations that I did make, you know, when he was young, um, it's, it's important for parents to read books to their ch- children. Well, you know, at, at infancy they really don't know what you're saying to them so he I read a lot of my psychology books to him. and <laughs> You know there was there are a lot of papers that I wrote with him you know propped up on my chest and I'm leaning back on the couch with my uh, laptop on my lap and I type papers like that. Um, so I was really trying to do you know making sure that he was getting nurtured and that I was you know um, learning everything that I could while in graduate school and because of this situation you know, being so young, being a single parent, not having that extended support around me because I didn't have friends or family um, that lived close. I made sure that I dug into like the child development information and adolescent development information just so that I gave my child the best chance, you know, in developing in a healthy manner because a lot of the statistics were actually going against him. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there was one part in life of, like, "Ah, I don't understand why this is happening right now. I have these plans of going to graduate school and it's going to be so hard, but it actually really worked out because I gained so much information about child development and adolescent development, Um, and that actually ended up being more of my focus. So once I had graduated from graduate school with a master's degree, I became a child adolescent mental health therapist. And so that's where I understood the child developmental needs. um, And I understood and saw how, you know, sometimes when these needs are not getting met, that's when the children start to act out and have more of the behavior problems or they're feeling more anxious. Um, and teaching parents, you know, what these developmental needs are so that they can satisfy those needs and this can prevent the child from going on and having, you know, the chronic mental health issues in a lot of situations. In fact, um, the American Psychological Association has acknowledged, you know, some of these childhood disorders are actually being way overdiagnosed. And so in some of these um, situations like, you know, um, like ADHD, uh, some of the mood disorders, the anxiety, um, again, if they were, you know, those needs were met, they wouldn't have that kind of reaction. Um, <clears throat> so, teaching, definitely teaching the parents those uh, developmental needs that the, ch- the children have, as well as um, teaching children, you know, coping skills and emotional regulation skills. Um, and I think everybody just needs them in life. Like, we are not going to escape life without stressors. So, when stressors, if we know how to approach these stressors and look at them as obstacles in life that we're going to get over instead of, um, you know, something, uh, the stressor that's going to just weigh us down and cause us more like a physical, um, that physiological reaction that we have when we feel stressed. You know, that leads to a lot of um, physical illnesses now. So if we can learn how to self-regulate that and prevent that from, you know, having it escalate all the time um, or even, you know, the psychological responses that the stressors have, such as like the depression and the anxiety, Um, So we can prevent it before it even happens. Um, I know I listened to actually a couple of your podcasts and some of the women that have talked um, on your podcast are very, so amazing. And some of the situations that they've come out of. Um, very amazing, but I think some of them can acknowledge that sometimes when people get in that hole of like depression or anxiety, it is so hard to get out. So my approach is why not just go ahead and teach kids, you know, it should be part of the regular school curriculum, right? Teach kids how to identify, you know, when they're experiencing stressors and how to um, cope, what are some responses they can have in order to get themselves back on track. Um, So I feel like, you know, with the information I dug into, because I got pregnant in graduate school, really helped me apply that more in practicing and helping others.
1: Well, your son was a gift to you in so many different ways, wasn't he? Absolutely. (laughs) He took you down a completely different path. (laughs) But that's good, though. I agree with, uh, you know, you needing to teach children from a young age how Mm -hmm. to handle what's happening to them, what's going on with them. Because I could have used that when I was young, you know, mm-hmm. being physically abused at home and then and neglected and not having enough food, but going to school and being told I talk too much all the time—that <laughs> was my thing. I talk too much. Aww. Go figure. I host a podcast now, so that's all I want. But uh, yeah, I was always getting into trouble for something. Mm-hmm. But which came first, the behavior mm-hmm. or the situation that occurred? Mm-hmm.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. there's,
1: it's a fine line sometimes, but you know, had I had someone that could have taken me aside and taught me how to handle the anxiety of, you know, having to go home and facing that fear again of what's, what am I going to walk into today? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, might've helped uh, alleviate a lot of the physical things I have going on now because of being in the chronic fight or flight my entire life. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of benefit to the work that you're doing and I think that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, Well, there was actually another situation that I ran into when I moved back here to Ohio in which the same requirements that Illinois has, because I went to graduate school in Illinois, is, is different to get licensed as a counselor oh. here in Ohio. So I actually, um, I took the test and I took some extra credit hours to try to um, become licensed first here in Ohio, and Ohio had changed their laws, so I couldn't get licensed as a counselor here in Ohio. So I tried in Kentucky. And the reason why this was, was because I actually had a master's degree in psychology. And it used to be that all, like the psychology, the social work, the counselors, they kind of all, you know, same ideologies and could be licensed by, you know, any of the boards. Well, um, Kentucky also, well, Kentucky still accepted, um, they said, a master's degree in a related field. So I, took all the extra credit hours I needed, and I took the test, passed it the first time, and applied for it, and they rejected my application, stating that um, psychology does not relate to counseling, despite they actually had psychologists who were supervising their counselees, and I actually took that to arbiter. Ab- excuse me, arbitration, and um, the arbitrator agreed with me on, you know, that doesn't make sense. If, if a psychologist can supervise a counselor, obviously they're related. But there was this small law in Kentucky that said um, related fields are not psychology, criminal justice, and a couple other fields. So unfortunately, <laughs> my goal of, you know, being a mental health therapist and opening my own practice wasn't successful because I could not get licensed as a counselor and in order to get licensed as a psychologist I would actually have to go in and get my doctorate um, And right now that's not in the budget because that's like another hundred thousand dollars.
1: Oh my god. That's that's crazy. You know mm-hmm. it, Oh, yeah, it's mind-boggling
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh, I was again, you know thinking uh, again starting off on that you know, starting point at a young age, and here's everything I'm going to do. And then I overcame my first obstacle of going to, you know, graduate school with my child and got that finished, moved back thinking, I'm I'm going to get back on track here. And then to find out, nope, you can't get licensed unless you go for four more years of school and, you know, another $100,000. Um, so, you know, then I decided, okay, well, I will take, you know, this approach that I, I believe that that I'm seeing as a child mental health therapist and I was being supervised um, and I decided, well, why not take more preventative measures instead of, you know, diagnosing these children and them having labels throughout life. Why not take a parent-child-coach approach to just directly teaching the parents and the children those coping skills without having to label them? So just, so here's the second puzzle piece that I'm not sure how fits in, and I'm very upset that it does not go along with my plan in life, but I was able to create a business and very much so much of a need because there are a lot of parents out there that they, you know, they, they don't automatically want to have their child diagnosed or they're scared that their child's automatically going to be put on medication. And yeah. this route of parent-child coaching looks at, well, what can we change first in the child's environment to make sure there's nothing going on here and, you know, if there is, we can resolve it and get the child back on track. Um, before automatically, you know, going for that label or going for that medication. So I started that business of successful parenting 12 years ago, and it's still going strong, (laughs) despite that I did not, I didn't even have any business or marketing classes at all during undergrad or graduate school.
1: And you saved yourself (laughs) $100,000.
0: I love that optimism.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, wow. that is fantastic, and you know i i I really like what you're doing because I know when my younger son- excuse me my older son was in grade three um I used to work for the school he worked he went to, but that year i- i let my job go and I stayed at home full time I was looking after my grandmother and my son started to become a problem at at school, and the teacher kept an eye on it, and we were friends, so we you know we knew what was happening every day and He would not do his work, but he was sitting there, you know Staring around the classroom kind of thing and that was totally not him Mm -hmm. He was always a good student and so she said to me I think you need to take him to a child doctor and you know all that sort of thing. So we did Went through all the testing. Oh, yes. He's ADHD Mm -hmm. Yes, he's he's just he can't concentrate. He can't do this. He can't do that so Ritalin came out of the woodwork and he got put on Ritalin. I, I didn't know, you know, uh, didn't have a lot of experience with it at that point in the time. But after about a month of my son being on Ritalin, he was not the same child. He reverted into a shell that, you know, you couldn't get anything out of him. Mm-hmm. And I said to my husband at the time, this is done. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the doctor and I said I have this child who used to be happy and have fun and laugh And now he just sits there Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Is that what your medicine does? If so, I don't want it. Mm
0: -hmm. He
1: said well, we may have misdiagnosed him And based on what the extra material the teacher sent in it turns out that my son was just bored
0: that was exactly what I was going to ask. That would be my first question Is this not challenging enough for him? And he's like, I've already got this and I'm checking out. So that would have been my, my first concern there. Um, you know, let's see yeah. some different ways we can challenge him. Absolutely.
1: Well, or, ended, you know, he for ended some... up in the gifted program instead rather oh, than God. needing and, a special, you know,
0: and then the he, program. and then did he excel in the gifted program? Oh, yes. 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 So I'm, I'm so glad that you, you know, were observant of his behavior and knowing, okay, this is not the route for my child. And what's really sad, and I, I'm just going to admit this because I've, I've heard it from several psychiatrists, is they've told me, do you know how to diagnose a child who has ADHD? You just put them on a stimulant and see if they respond. To the stimulant and that to me is just you know again my approach is let's try everything else before we automatically put the child on medication but i heard that from a couple psychiatrists and i, I do want to say that's been a, over a decade ago that i've heard that um but it sounds like that's kind of the approach your you know son's doctor had had taken of okay well maybe it's not it but unfortunately there was it you know it it did like you say, cause him to revert some, and he wasn't acting like, you know, a child. And that can, be, that can be very difficult, you know, and children have an, a hard time understanding their emotions and what they're feeling anyways, and then having some kind of medication that really changes that. Um, and so the other
1: just, aspect is the doctor wasn't looking at the whole picture either. He wasn't looking mm-hmm. at home life. So what happened in the home life? Well, mom no longer worked at the school where the son was going to school. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he didn't have his mom there every day. So that was a big missing piece for him. So he was not knowing how to react about that. So they didn't look at the whole picture. They just looked at, well, he's not listening in class. <laughs> okay, well, there's a lot of ways you can do it. But I like your approach, like the holistic approach is, a, is an awful lot better. Eliminate what you can first before you go to the mm-hmm. the drugs and I mean, there are uh, needs sometimes, right? We absolutely,
0: and I have worked with children that really do need that stimulants, that medication to help them even focus on some of the skills or something you know that they they need to be taught. But another thing, I think we have to be careful of in our society today is you know they're they're kids we still have some time to figure out what exactly it is you know let's try to challenge you you know your son a little bit more and see how he deals with that you know let's try to see if it makes sure he's understanding things or is there a bully in the classroom that you know is causing anxiety or to feel bad in in the, you know, depressed mood or anxiousness also causes lots, uh, loss of concentration, too. So there's so many things, and I know there was a period of time where teachers would automatically go to, oh, it's ADHD, and it's like, oh, no, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that can be going on here, so let's kind of, you know, Um, dig in and and figure out what is going on because Mm -hmm. another thing that uh, you know as a mental health therapist for children and adolescents that I had seen and again this was this was back in like 2005 to 2010 but um, when kids are put on medication and even if they do need it I think it's important for parents to understand that um, people have a tolerance that is developed to, to drugs so, after, you know, if a child starts young on medication, they're going to have to continue to increase the dosage. And sometimes, what happens is they reach a max on one medication, and then they have to try a couple different other medications. And sometimes what they do is they call it a cocktail to where they mix medications together um, in order to get an effect. So, you know, in our society, realizing, you know, these kids are young, they don't have a whole lot of, you know, responsibility or expectations, and they'll be able to catch up. So why not take some time to change some things in the environment instead of, you know, going directly to put them on medication? Um, You know, I think anything in, in anything in elementary school. I don't think there's any rush to, to figure out like, okay, we ought to, or shouldn't say, there is a rush to figure out, but not to automatically go to, they're not paying attention, put them on medication. You have a, at least a couple months, if not even a couple years there to, to figure it out. And they won't fall like significantly behind to where they can't catch up.
1: Yeah, there are some, and I, you know, from working in the school system, there are some children that need the intervention right away. Mm -hmm. Because the issue is really severe, but there's the other ones and I mean my son was like 30 years ago So that's when Ritalin was first coming in and it was big and everybody was on it and oh, it's a horrible nightmare would Mm -hmm. never do that again and (laughs) It was just you know, he wasn't being stimulated enough Mm -hmm. in the right way and the mum not being there anymore for him was an issue Mm-hmm. uh but we found ways around that i mean i would walk into school i would pick him up from school so we had our time together and all that sort of thing and uh, it's it's difficult to read a child especially when they haven't even developed yet yeah i suppose right mm-hmm. and
0: uh, it, it yeah yeah I <laughs> um But I I really do enjoy working with children and adolescents because I do feel like there's that extra layer of challenge where adults can come right out and say, well, this is where this is coming from. Sometimes as a parent or, you know, working with children, you sometimes feel like you're going in circles and not getting anything out of them. But that's just kind of the process that it goes into. You'll go in circles for a little bit and then you'll dig a a, a layer deeper. Um, And it's so interesting to hear like the different perspectives that children have about their life. And And really, and then when you find that, and for them to have that, you know, aha moment, or, you know, be able to figure out what's going on, and, you know, they're accomplishing their goals and how proud they are of themselves, that they're choosing positive behaviors, and that they're not automatically just a bad kid like they thought they were, you know? Um, It's just, that's what I live for. I love helping parents and children get to that point of, yeah, everybody has their struggles, everybody has, you know, these stress responses, but that, you know, that doesn't mean that's the way you have to respond. Let's figure out positive ways for you to respond. And so those are just amazing moments.
1: Although, <laughs> must be such rewarding work. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I, yes. you know, I thought about going into the child aspect as well. But, I, you know, I, I stick with the adults, basically, mm-hmm. for my coaching practice. Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes the issues from childhood are not resolved and they hang on to us and then we become adults with these issues that we had from childhood and I've noticed that if an adult is not successful in their personal professional life it usually and not always but usually has something to do with an event or a situation that occurred to them when they were young
0: I would say definitely, probably over 50% of the time, definitely yeah. a lot of things stem from from childhood. Yeah. And yes, thank you, I thank you for, you know, being one of those people who help children recover from what, what had happened in, the, in their childhood. Of course, I try to, um, my angle is being proactive and trying to get, you know, help parents, you know, even help parents with their own stress regulator, you know, um, Emotional regulation responses and that is such an important aspect of of what I do too is making sure the parents okay So then the child will also be okay because research has found that children even as young as six months can pick up On the mood of the parent and exhibit that same behavior and mood Um, That's so important and I think I think you know people are really doing the best that they can but sometimes we just We don't always have all the education and information um, that we need and I think that's one area that, so, um, I really believe that parents just are doing the best they can, but this is one area that in our society has been neglected, um, on really providing this information for parents and if the, if the parent is struggling with those stressors, you know, it's really hard, to fulfill the needs of kids. So making sure that parents are okay um, and taking care of their needs so that they can also take care of the needs of their child as well. But unfortunately, you know, there are so many people that, um, you know, the parents didn't have that information and now, like you said, you're working with them as adults and trying to help them recuperate from what they've experienced as children.
1: Mm -hmm. And that came about for me because I was the child yeah. and I had no help. Mm. And now, you know, since the last well, since my car accident in 2013, I've been doing a lot of searching and a lot of uncovering and a lot of self-work, self-care. And it came to, through the help of an NLP hypnotherapist that I actually needed to raise my younger self. I needed to do the inner child work. hmm And heal that child and raise that child up to a healthy adult Mm -hmm. and until I did that I couldn't be a full you know um, I could but uh, I wouldn't be as an effective coach Mm -hmm. had I not done that work so
0: yeah and that's so that healing process really yeah what it is I think there's so you know so many of us carry so much around Um, because it's not healed. And there is a process, like you said, you know, having to go back and raise your child self in order to have that full healing. So it's not that heavy weight. And when I say heavy weight, it's not just like psychological weight. It is like, it takes on a physical component of where
1: you just, the person just feels, feels heavy. So yeah, that's that's true. true. When I, when I finished writing my book about Um, My family and lies and all the secrets that they kept that affected me and still are, you know I decided to break the cycle but when I finished writing the truth about that my husband said to me your shoulders just Dropped about four inches and honestly, Jennifer. It felt like a weight Mm -hmm. Of an elephant came off of me Mm -hmm. It was so freeing Yeah, and I re I did not realize and a lot of us don't that that weight we've been carrying around I was carrying it around for 56 years Mm -hmm. it's just you know from stuff that hadn't healed or hadn't been dealt with from Mm -hmm. when it should have been dealt with and thank goodness for people like you that can help the children now I Mm -hmm. mean uh, where were you when I (laughs) (laughs) there wasn't anything for me when I was growing up you know it was the church and it was the school and it was family life and that was all there was Mm-hmm. and you know one was connected to the other so if you did bad in school either the teacher told your parents or they told the church and then the ter- church gave the father or mother a call and boy were you in trouble then mm-hmm. so <laughs> you know but uh, the the work that you're doing is so powerful it needs to be shared, and I am so glad we got to talk about this today. So what are three steps, three things that you would recommend to our listeners today that they should start doing or maybe stop doing when they're dealing with their children and, you know, um, situations? Um
0: So the very first thing, like we discussed before, is self-care. I think, you know, as especially females we're very good at you know being caretakers of other people and i know myself i have to remind myself of this step all the time because i can go 100 miles an hour and i can be feeling great like no i don't need to take time for myself and then i just hit a wall and then i'm like I feel like why am I getting not why am I moving so slow? Why am I not getting things accomplished? I feel irritable with my children. And so I have to remind myself, Oh, you haven't been, you know, taking time for yourself and you have to take a step back and first you know, um, take care of you. And I kind of relate this to a car because, you know, as women, we can put ourselves down and shame ourselves. But if if we did not put gas in our car, we and it ran out of gas, we wouldn't yell at it and telling like what's wrong with you? Why don't you keep going? Right. And so it's the same with us, like to give energy. To others, uh, we have to fill ourselves back up too because you know we, we can get depleted. So that would be the first thing. Um, the second thing is, um, you know, listen to your kids without judgment. If you really, um, if you really want to help your child and guide your child down, down the right path, it's important that, um, that they're able to freely express themselves and what's going on because then you can know where is this problem coming from you know why are they starting to become more irritable or anxious or acting out um, and they'll be more willing to tell you. If a parent is very, you know, doesn't, doesn't listen, doesn't put their phone down and give undivided attention, the child picks up on that very easily and then they stop talking about those things. And so then they become repressed and, the, and then the child feels that heaviness and it's just, you know, starts that cycle. So, you know, number two, definitely just listen, you know, non-judgmental so that you can get an idea of what your child's experiencing, Let them know you know what it's normal to have feelings you know if they're upset with you or mad at you okay you know let them express that in a healthy way to you Um, and the third thing I would say is making sure that you're just scheduling in quality time with your child you know in these days we get so busy sometimes I see um, children have multiple activities that they're running to every single night um, and that can be anxiety provoking but Um, As busy as we are, as, you know, having homes of two working parents and, um, you know, all the kids' activities, it's really about quality time. You know, we can't give them a whole lot of quantity time, but when you're with them, make sure that you're mindful and you're, you know, engaging in the activities they enjoy doing um, and being there with them 100% so that they are getting those needs met.
1: Yeah, and I don't assume that quality time is taking them to an event where they're playing a sport. That, mm-hmm. that, that's not good quality time. That's, uh, that's just time. Mm-hmm. That you're together, but you're not really mm-hmm. having quality. So sitting at home, you know, reading a book together, doing a puzzle together, playing a game together, mm-hmm. or engaging in an activity they like to do, mm-hmm. and then asking them questions about it. Why do you like doing this so much? I used to play. <laughs> I used to play the first Nintendo with my boys when it came out and the second and the third that was our time together it was silly Mm -hmm. but we would spend hours sitting there laughing having fun enjoying it and I could play just as well as they could (laughs) by the end of it which is not a lot you know but we were spending quality time together and you know they would always say to me mom why doesn't dad play with us Dad didn't want to because dad actually couldn't make the games work. So yes. rather than looking stupid no. or feeling stupid, he decided to just stay away. So he was sending the boys a message then. Yeah. Which was unfortunate, but uh, he spent time with them in other ways. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, you have to, this quality time is the best. Not what you think is quality, what your child needs. It's the child's needs, right? Absolutely.
0: And if they aren't if they are not getting that positive attention, they will find ways to get negative attention.
1: Well, they'll create the negative attention. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. What attention is attention, no matter it's whether it's good or bad, it's it's still attention, right? Yeah. Well, how can, uh, how can our listeners get in touch with you, Jennifer? I know we're going to have all of your connections put up on the websites when your segment comes up, but just a quick How can they get in touch with you?
0: Yes. So my website is SuccessfulParentingLLC.com, all one word, all lowercase. And I actually have a Facebook group that I put, like, parenting tips, and, um, you know, I do a segment called Raising Gen Z where we look at the different things happening in society and how that can affect child development and ways that parents can kind of um, compensate for that. And so that group is on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash from parent stress to parent success. Um, So I know that's long, but if you go in the search bar of Facebook and type in from parent stress to parent success, all one word, it will bring my group up. And that group's called Successful Parents.
1: Perfect. Now, what about grandparents?
0: Oh that's a really good point. I actually have some grandparents in in the group as well. Um some grandparents who rate who are raising their grandchildren um as well as um grandparents who just like the tips of interacting with their grandchildren and you know don't have the responsibility of raising them. So yeah, grandparents are welcome in the group as well. I've worked with grandparents before when they are, you know, in the parenting role. So those that you know clientele is welcome as as well
1: that's fantastic because I know for a lot of working moms the parents grandparents play a big role in the child's life and if they weren't successful being parents maybe they wouldn't be successful being you know grandparents but there's always hope we can always change our thoughts and our how we approach things and keep learning for goodness sakes it's easy doesn't hurt Oh yeah, my time. goodness,
0: yes. <laughs> that, have as much information and knowledge as you
1: can. Absolutely. Yeah. And just think of the little life that you're you know, adding joy to and and making rich because you're spending quality time with them.
0: Yes. And I, one more thing I'd like to say, and I'm sure you can attest to this of, you know, having that good connection with your child is so important because they grow up someday that, you know, they're going to go off and have their own life. But if you have that good connection with with them. They will stay connected. And what's really cool is that, you know, sometimes parents want to be friends with their, you know, children, especially teenagers, and that doesn't work out. But once the child becomes an adult, you know, if there was that healthy parenting style there, they're actually friends as adults, you know. So this isn't just for the time being. This isn't just from birth to 18 years old. This is really setting the foundation, you know, for the rest, rest of their lives on how, how the relationship is going to be.
1: Yeah, it's a lifetime relationship, isn't it? Absolutely. And we need to nurture it and care for it and practice. Jennifer, thank you so much for being part of it. Yeah, this was fantastic. I'm so glad we got to do this. And I think I'd like to have you back again because I think there's a few more topics we could chat about.
0: Oh, excellent. Yeah, anytime. Let me know.
1: Sounds great. Well, thanks again for listening to Powering Through Life. And thank you to my wonderful guest, Jennifer Zadie. Take care. Well, Divas, that brings to a close another great, inspiring interview on Powering Through Life. Thank you to my incredible guests for sharing your story with us. Divas, if you would like to connect with my guests, just go to divasthatcare.com, click on my picture at the top, that's Teresa Sims, and there you can access all of my interviews. Don't be shy, reach out if you have any questions, or simply just leave us a comment. Also, you can contact me at my website, That's TeresaSims.com. Thank you for listening to Powering Through Life on the Divas That Care Network.
0: Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on DivasThatCare.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.